Welcome to the Phil Nason Show, brought to you by PlayUp Sportsbook. PlayUp welcomes all bettors and offers the best prices on the market. They are also proud to be an official betting partner of the New Jersey Devils. Check them out online or in the App Store and see for yourself why PlayUp is your best bet. You're listening to a pre-recorded edition of the Phil Nason Show. The Phil Nason Show. Download us at your favorite podcast catcher, including iTunes, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, or Google Play, and please leave a review. You can follow Phil on social media at Cash with Flash and like our Facebook show page. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Phil Nason Show. Welcome to the Phil Nason Show. I'm excited to have you here. We'll be here for as long as it takes, and I've got a great show planned for you today. PlayUp Sportsbook presents the Phil Nason Show. Head on over to playup.com, hit that link, sign up for an account, and find out why PlayUp is always your best bet. It's the betting lines we use for this show, and if anyone has a problem with that, Well, I tell you what, continue having the problem. But the greatest thing about doing this show, and I've been doing this show for 14 years, is when I'm able to bring my friends on and just talk a little sports. My friend Ambrose is on the line, and we're going to talk a little NFL football. What's happening, dude? Phil, great to be here. Hope all is well, buddy. Hey, everything's going great. How about you? I saw you hanging out with my boy Merges, and and I was like, Jellos. Well, you should be because hanging out with John and Sean uh, Alvarez out there in Vegas with those two, it was just a great, it was a great atmosphere. Um, John Murgis, shout out. He knows a lot of people uh, that weekend watching football at the circuit. It could have been any better. Oh yeah. He's the best. He comes on the show every week and we have a great time. I end up going out to Vegas the following week, as you know, um, I was there with my friend Scotty for the NHC and we were so busy with that. I never got a chance to really see a lot of people. You know, I had meetings for the show and that. But I'm glad that you had a great time. But more importantly, we just want to hear your story. How did you end up doing what it is you do? Because you are Ambrose on Twitter, well-known, well-respected. And tell everybody why. Well, Phil, thanks a lot for those kind words. Um, you know, I've always been into the uh, sports and I got into the sports gambling <clears throat> when I was in college um, down there in good old Morgantown, West Virginia. So if you like sports, that was a great place to be in the, uh, in the early 90s, especially if you like college football. Um, so, uh, you know, I got into the sports gambling and I was young in college. I won a little bit, lost a good bit. Um, you, when you're in college, you think you know everything. Of course, when it came to sports wagering, I realized that I did not know half as to what I needed to know in order to uh, to win money going forward. So you just go, but that's how I got into it. Um, took about a year off, uh, ran some numbers, came up with a new uh, betting angle. And then I remember that one year in college, I did really, really well. Um, people were talking about it, uh, won some money, um, graduated with a finance degree, Made my way to Pittsburgh. Um, odd story, when I was in Pittsburgh, I became friends with Bino Cook, who lived in downtown Pittsburgh. So obviously, if you remember Bino from the ESPN days, um, you know, 
listened to him in regards to handicapping angles and whatnot. And uh, then the internet came to be. And as you know, there were some sports gambling forums you could join to share information. I, I got hooked up with a uh, sports gambling forum where we were sharing information back and forth. Um, and I started posting some of my picks. The, the owner of the website noticed that I was getting a lot of follows on some of the stuff I was posting. And uh, he said, wow, he goes, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time. You're getting a lot of followers. And he made me a moderator on the website, uh, which I was able to go ahead and help him with the content. And then some of the other professional handicappers on that site gave a shout out. And they said, you know, if you're looking for probably the best low volume handicapper we have here on the site, I recommend following Ambrose. And then that got even me, that got me even more followers. Oh, yeah. And, and then Phil, oddly enough, um, you know, you had a handle, um, you know, people didn't use their real names back then. And I remember I actually made a Pittsburgh reference in one of my postings and I got an immediate message later on that day. And this, um, one of the guys, he says, wow, I've been following you for a couple of years. I live in Pittsburgh too. Let's meet up. Uh, he was a big fan of the stuff I posted and I've been best friends with that guy for almost 15 years. Uh, he goes by Zach. His real name's Andrew. Um, I consult with him now and we break down games together and Andrew's actually one, uh, my one and only betting partner uh, that I have. And it's been a real good relationship, I'd say, for the past 15 years. So, you know, if you post, it's funny with the gambling community, if you if you're a gentleman and you can post some winners, it's easy to make friends. Yes, it is. And it's easy to make enemies, too, if you're successful. But yes, that's another matter altogether. But that's fascinating. Now, you mentioned something, and I know this wasn't in our notes, but you and I talked about this before. Explain what low-volume better means, because some people are new to this mm -hmm. to the betting world, and they see these numbers. People are picking three, 400 picks in an NFL season. That ain't you. No, that's not me. Um, I, I learned because, you know, I'm highly competitive. Um, I want to win. And I learned, it's at least for me, I would rather pull the trigger on something I really, really like that fits the betting angle uh, that I like to bet on. So for me, I would maybe, I can easily go two picks for the whole weekend, sometimes really not have any action at all. So I would prefer to bet uh, less plays, but those plays that I'm betting on, they will get more of my money. So... That is why I was called a low volume, like maybe two or three picks for the whole weekend. Whereas, you know, some people are posting like seven or eight plays, maybe even 10 plays for college football and then coming back with five plays on Sunday. I mean, that's 15 plays for the entire weekend. I'm just that I'm just not that type of handicapper on top of their baseball picks. Sure. And their college basketball picks. Yeah, I hear you. I usually do two a day. But that's just me. And, and but I appreciate the low volume because you can actually make more money betting your way yes. than you can by taking all these unnecessary risks. Correct. Correct. And then in my write-ups, for for example, on that betting forum, I would say, as many of you know, I do not post a lot of picks. However, this pick is getting my money this weekend, and I would do a detailed write-up and I would explain why. And it's funny because, you know, but trust me, I can recite all the losers you've had, but I do remember some of the big winners I had. 
And I'll never forget my biggest play of the year one year was Missouri was at home catching five against BYU. And this was right after Missouri uh, had a lot of that political unrest on their campus Mm -hmm. in regards to the Ferguson riots and all that stuff. And I remember the Missouri coach actually stepped down. And like when I see stuff stuff like that, you know, going on, I'll take a look and be like, okay, who's Missouri playing? And I took a look at the schedule, and they were playing BYU. And there's BYU coming into Missouri, uh, a non-conference matchup. BYU really had nothing to play for. And Missouri was a five-point home underdog with all that political unrest. And I said, wow. I said, I think this team's going to be motivated to play. Uh, I remember when I posted it, some people are like, wow, that's an interesting angle you have. And some people were like, I just can't. I remember the people were like, I just can't pull the trigger on Missouri. And believe it or not, when people say that, that, it, that actually made me like the pick even more. End of the story, Missouri won outright. It was an easy winner, five-point underdog. You just, I just, those are the, and believe me, that type of play got a big, large bankroll play for me. It was a nice winner. You see, that's how Frank Rosenthal used to do it. <laughs> He would find out stuff that no one else ever thought about and, and cash in on it. That's an excellent pick. I remember that game, too. And the first thing I thought, for me anyway, was what are those kids going to do in Ferguson? They're going to be crapping their pants because yes. they're not used to seeing stuff like that. And just the thought. I mean, college athletes are very well protected on the road, mm-hmm. whatever. Most athletes are. Yes. But just the thought of what could possibly happen those kids didn't want to be there. <laughs> Correct. And to be honest with you, I would, you know, if you go back in time, I'm sure the, the, the BYU team, you know, let's face it, some of those guys are actually married with families because they did a mission. Right. I'm sure so, the political environment at the time, some of the players' families weren't really happy about having to go from Utah to Missouri during that political unrest at that time. Yep, exactly. And that was a great cash. Now, this next one we're going to talk about, this kind of cracked me up when you told me because since I already know what you do for a living, I was pretty stunned that you decided to work the counter and work for the sports books and, it t- yes. and write tickets. Tell yes. everyone why that happened, why you did it, but more importantly, how it f- helped you with your handicapping. Well, um, well, first of all, that's a great question, Phil. So, uh Obviously, with me being a sports fan and me being uh, a, ha- having a following on that on that website and sports gambling, I always told my friends, I said, look, if they ever legalize sports gambling in Pittsburgh, I'm going to get a job at the sports book. And I remember that interview, that interview, they were so, first of all, management at the sports book in Pittsburgh is excellent. I remember that interview. They're like, wow, um, you have a corporate job. Help us understand why do you want to go ahead and work at the sports book. I said, well, I want to get it up and running, help you, and I want to just be around it. But between you and me, Phil, I just wanted to go ahead and get a job there because I felt it could help me become a better handicapper. I mean, what better way to, to see what the public is doing, betting, than being on the front lines? And it was so funny because you could certainly pick up on some picks just jumped out at you after uh, watching or being uh, writing tickets for about an hour and a half and seeing the public all over certain teams. It just jumps out at you. And I was actually there on the front lines. See, that's, you know, I lived in a casino for well, almost 19 years. So I, after work, I used to go and sit. Like my schedule was I taught in the morning 
and then I hit in the evenings. Right. So I had all afternoon, and I would show up in the sports book just to catch the races or just to catch mm-hmm. some fresh air, some yes. air conditioning, because, you know, it gets warm out there in Vegas. And I would just listen, and I would be amazed at what you can learn in a sports book by just with your eyes and your ears. It's yep. amazing. But what kind of... Now, so you're in the corporate world. Yes. <laughs> and, and you're working, you're taking orders from people who more than likely you wouldn't normally. So that must have, A, been very humbling for you, which is a credit to you. But B, do you have anything that stood out during your time as a sports book writer? Well, just, you know, going back to what we said in regards to the public. I mean, here I, I, I alluded to this earlier with you. I'll never forget Game one of the NBA finals between the Toronto Raptors and Golden State. I was literally there for two hours before the game, and it was just one bet after another. Golden State, Golden State, Golden State, Golden State, Golden State. And I was like, wow. And I noticed that that line actually was not going towards Golden State. It actually flipped and went towards the Raptors. So you had a reverse line movement, and I'm watching all the public just pound Golden State. And obviously, when I took a break, um, I made a, you know, with, with, with my guy, I got down on the Toronto Raptors in game one. And I'll never forget, there was this one gentleman that came in and, you know, he, he said, hey, how's it going in here? What are you seeing? And I, I laughed. I couldn't hide it. You know, I have a really bad poker face. And he goes, oh, he goes, I, I know that look. And I go, buddy, I've been here for a couple hours. It's all Golden State. He goes, are you serious? I go, yeah. So... Literally, he got down on, on the Toronto Raptors, and the game, when it was over, it was so funny because we had a little microphone, and my boss there uh, at the time, his name was Andy, and literally, we all wanted to go home after the game because the game ended late, and I got on the microphone, and I said, will the one person who had the Toronto Raptors please come to the window so we can pay you out? And Everyone was just laughing because you had a whole casino full of people that took the, the, the Golden State Warriors and the Toronto Raptors was the was the smart money, uh, not only in, in on game one, but actually the whole series. I mean, the people that lost on Golden State game one, they were doubling up, tripling up. And as you know, the Raptors won that series and the, the, the books did quite well on, on that series. But that, that's a perfect example. You know, you just on Sunday NFL. Um, when the same people are putting that money line favorite all in their same parlay, I'll never forget. They were all pounding the Dallas Cowboys one Sunday. Dallas was on the road playing the Jets. Everyone put the Dallas Cowboys in their money line parlay, and it just jumps out at you. You're like, wow, the Jets are probably a good play. So not only did the Jets plus the point, but the Jets actually won that game. So that's just a perfect example of being on the front lines and going against the public. You're seeing it with your own eyes. Plus, you know, you go through the slate, and it's easy to miss things. And these guys will bring things up that you might have considered, but then kind of put it to the side. Yes. And, and that's a fantastic thing. The sports book is the best education you can get because you learn so much just by – and from the successful bettors as well. I yes. I mean, you, you know what a sharp looks like. By the bet they make. It's Absolutely. It's about the money, right? It's about Correct. the bet they make. Correct. But go ahead and tell us about the sharps you met. Um, well, uh, there were a couple of guys coming down from the Cleveland area, mm-hmm. and they were really sharp baseball bettors. 
And um, you could just tell by what they were betting and how they were betting. Um, you know, they were pretty discreet uh, in, in, in regards to trying to stay anonymous. And, uh, you know, look, we booked their action, but, um, obviously we can tell and identify them as sharp betters. And obviously as a sports book, you keep track of, of those as individuals. Absolutely. You do now. Yep. So you've been around the business a little while. Mm-hmm. What have you seen that you don't like, or, or, or you can start with what you saw, what you see that you do like. Because a lot of people have mixed reactions to betting Twitter, for example. Mm-hmm. What do you well, like most about the industry? Well, I like the fact that the industry, um, they want, most of the sports books want to engage the gamblers and get them in there. Um, in regards to, I'm old school, I like the environment of being behind, you know, the, 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 the people behind the window. Mm-hmm. They recognize you, then they're like, "Hey, let let what does Ambrose like today?" Um, that's what it, that now. The kiosk, if you if, if in regards to what I don't like, I'm old school, so I would much rather uh, bet with a person at a window than use a kiosk. And you know, you have two. If you go to the Circa mm-hmm. and see what the Circa is offering in that environment, um, I would venture to say they like the the, the people. Uh, behind the window engaging the customers whereas some of the other newer casinos it's all about the kiosk they want the, the they want to drive the public to those kiosks and trust me there's many people that came to the window thinking they had a winning ticket they were novice betters then they used the kiosk for the first time and unfortunately their bet did not go through <laughs> right right of course there's yeah, nothing horrible. Nothing worse than a person. I remember a bunch of Cleveland Browns fans came down from Cleveland. Mm-hmm. They sat in that miserable weather at Heinz Field. The Cleveland Browns won. They came to the betting window and they're clapping their hands. They're like, oh, yeah, we won, we won, and Cleveland Browns. And they hand their betting ticket in and there was no winner on it. All they did was recycle their money through the kiosk machine. Wow. <laughs> Oh, that was, and I remember the guy said, oh, this is the second time this has happened. I'm never betting at this sports book again. And I said, well, technically, uh, you've actually never made a bet here. So, Yeah, so and, you didn't really. Yeah, exactly. Right. That, said, but that happens a lot more than you think. And, it does. And, and so those, what I, oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Go ahead. So, Phil, what I did is said, guys, listen, we want you to have a good experience at the casino. I'm going to go on break. Let me go over to the kiosk. And I will show you how to put a proper bet in. And I remember all three guys were standing over my shoulder. I showed them what they did. I said, is this where you got on the menu? And they go, yeah. I said, the one thing you guys didn't do, you have to confirm your bet. And they're like, oh, man. I said, no one ever taught us. I said, look. I said, here's how you bet on the kiosk. I said, but trust me. Wait. Feel free to come to the window and do it old school. And we'll make sure you walk away with the proper ticket. The casinos, the sports books, they want the customers to have a good time. They want you to come back. Well, that's just it. That's that's how they make their money. Repeat yes. customers. You know, I was just like I said, I was just out in Vegas a couple of weeks ago. I've only been out there twice since I moved out of there in two thousand two. But one of the things that I noticed there is the hospitality isn't the same. Um, the ticket riders aren't as knowledgeable Correct. as they used to be. And but overall, I mean, it was great. But the the thing is, is you see these things and you wonder, you know, 
why they don't ask, like going in the kiosk. The simple thing like when you write a ticket, when you get a ticket written by a human, you're going to have to make sure that ticket is right before you leave the window. Otherwise, it's over. Correct. Yep. And I had that issue. I actually had that issue at the stratosphere. It was the best spread I could find. So I go in there to get down and I had to explain to the gal how to do the ticket because she didn't understand. I said, I didn't say half. I said, full game money line. I gave you the numbers. I said, let's do this again before the game goes on, before you change the line. But that's that's a rare thing, really, that I've encountered. Before that, I never saw that because sports book writers were very knowledgeable. A lot of those guys were ex bookies. Exactly. So, Phil, funny story for you. So, on Sunday morning, you can imagine the line gets really long, Mm -hmm. especially if there's a Steeler home game because the the casino is about a couple blocks away from Heinz Field where the Steelers play. So, there's a long line. And a lot of guys, you know, they'll tell their girlfriend, hey, um, can you know, especially if they're working their job during the day, they're like, hey, honey, can you run up to the sports book and put this bed in for me? So, you have these women uh, in line, nice girls. Uh, p- trying to put a bed in for their husband or boyfriend, and they would get there, and, and they had th- they would just give you a sheet of paper. They're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And meanwhile, you have this long line, and you want everyone to get their action in. So sometimes we would sort of guide the people into, you know, they would give you the piece of paper, and they'd be like, I don't know what my boyfriend wanted. And I remember this one lady, nice girl. She had all these teams on there. She didn't know what she was doing. I said, you know what? She, I, what did your your boyfriend or husband want you to do? He's, he wants an 18 parlay. I said, well, uh, I can't tell what he wants. I said, let me just pick it for you so we can get the line moving. So I went and 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 did, uh, I said, we're going to do this team, this team, this team, this team, this team. I remember I, I did eight teams for her and gave her the ticket. And then a week later, this is hilarious, a week later, there's another Steeler home game. And a week later, I recognize her and everyone's saying, ma'am, uh, it, she goes, it's your turn. You're next. She goes, oh, no, no. I'm, I'm waiting to talk to to him at the end, which was me. And she purposely wanted to uh, come see me, except this time she wasn't by herself. Her husband was with her. <laughs> okay. And she comes up to the window and she goes, can you do that eight pick again? I go, what do you mean eight pick? She was treating it like the lottery, you know, right, like right, the right. quick pick. She No, she says, can you do the quick pick? I said, I'm sorry, ma'am. I don't know what you want me to do. And then, the, and then the, the husband chimes in. He goes, sir, whatever you did last week on that 18 parlay, we won. <laughs> I said, you're kidding me. She goes, no. He goes, is there any way you can do that again? And I said, probably not. I said, but congratulations on winning. But it was just so funny because I remember the girl from the one week to the next, she had had no idea what she was doing. I picked the eight games for her. And it won, and she probably went home. And I remember her husband's probably like, "These aren't the eight teams I wanted." It won. He said, "Oh my God, I'm going back with you next week. I want to meet that guy." And I'll never forget. It was so funny. They're like, "Can you do it again?" <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Because he couldn't but, do it. Exactly. See? And you know what? You just want to keep that line moving and get the people through there because, like I said, the sports book—they want everyone to get their bets in and everyone to be happy. Absolutely. That absolutely. But those people. That guy probably lost four or four or five of those, and, and you won those bets for them. Did they tip you? Unfortunately, Phil, when they walked away, they did not tip. And that's 
uh, something you know that 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 you and I have talked about. I, I really don't think that a lot of people a don't know that they're able to tip, or b don't know about the etiquette of tipping. So they, unfortunately, they won, but they they didn't tip. But it is what it is. It you know? is what it is. Yeah, but that's a pet peeve of mine. It, it is it, it, because, quite frankly, it's a hard job writing tickets for all sorts of different kinds of folks. You've got serious people who are easy to work with. Then you get the guy who's had six or seven beers and he comes up there because he's going to make that bet on the Cubs and he can't get seem to get it right. There's all kinds of sports book writers go through a lot of crap. Yes, they really do. I watched them for a long time and and I can tell you that, but standard, you should keep, you should tip 10% of your winnings to your dealer. To whoever it is, and they split that up amongst all of them. Yep. So, so you have to be kind. If you're if you're a cheap guy and you're giving one yep. percent, it's probably why people don't like you. Exactly. And so, Phil, shout out. And most people that have ever been behind a counter know exactly what I'm saying. A shout out to all the poker players out there, because Phil, the poker players that bet sports, they are by far the best tippers. Oh yeah, because they're so used to the rake, right? Exactly. <laughs> They don't, they don't mind. I learned the easy way. I lived out there and worked there, and I saw what people go through. It's like the girls that come around with the drinks. They don't do that as much anymore, obviously, because of COVID or whatever. But if you don't give them at least, and this was back in the 80s, a quarter, you're stealing from them. Because that's the only that's what they get for the night is right. what you tip them. And they get taxed based on the station they're in. And what the casino thinks they should be making, how many drinks they should have served, and how many tips they should have gotten. Sportsbook writers, you want to talk about high volume on Super Bowl Sunday? You can't even get in the door in some places. And Absolutely I have, right. And you have to make sure that you get every one of those tickets right. Yep. That's a hard yeah. job. Tip your dealer. Exactly. Now, um, I, I remember when the sportsbook first opened, we had an individual, it was a payout of over $40,000 on a Steeler game. So, you know, since they would come in, park at the casino, come in, do their bet after the game, get cashed out. So we had a, we had a different section at the sports book for larger payouts. And I was in that area, uh, counting the money in a private location. I think it was maybe 38,000. And the guy had a few, uh, belts of, uh, in him. He was a little, uh, um, Let's just say he was a little happy after the story. <laughs> okay. Okay. And, you know, it, it, t- it took a while to, you know, you call the cage, you get the money. And I remember he said to me, he goes, man, this is taking so long. And he, and he said, just, he goes, screw it. He goes, just take that money. And I want to throw it on, on the night, on the Sunday night game, throw it all. And I looked at him and I said, sir, uh, can you allow me to uh, have a conversation with you and, and just listen? He goes, yeah, sure, go ahead. I said, I want you to go home with this money. I said, we're, we're almost going to be done counting it out. I said, so let me count it out in full. I said, if you want to bet all this money on the, on the, on the 8 o'clock game tonight, you're going to have to go ahead and touch it with your hand and then I'll go ahead and ring you up for the for the bet. And in between the five extra minutes, he got a chance to calm down. And he goes, "Okay." He goes, I, "He goes, I really appreciate what you're saying me, saying to me." He goes, 
he goes, let me put a small bet. And he looks at me, he goes, do you like anything tonight? And you know, Phil, like behind the counter, we're not really supposed to say what we like. Right. And I remember as Nick Foles was playing and you know, Nick Foles was on that streak where he was just covering as a, as an NFL quarterback against the spread. And I said, look, this is Nick Foles first game with his new team. I said, just take a little and sprinkle it on the money line. Cause Nick Foles has been covering left and right. And he looks at me, he goes, I'll tell you what, if this thing wins, I'm splitting it with you and you get half the tip. And I remember they were like plus, I think they were plus 380 on the money line. Mm-hmm. And would you know it, it won. <laughs> and he comes back and I wasn't there. He came back a couple of days to pick up uh, his money from that ticket. And he goes, hey, that guy that was back here, this tip is for him. And of course, we pull the tips. But I remember management, when I came into work my shift the next couple of days, they said, hey, that guy who you counted out at the window he left you a nice tip. He said, "Thanks for the plus three eighty winner with Nick Foles." <laughs> there you go. See, but, bang. That's you know you could in Vegas you might have gotten in trouble for it, but then again you might not have. It just depended right. on who hurt. But uh, yeah, you're not supposed to tell the customers because you're not technically supposed to entice them to do exactly. Things. But that doesn't mean that they won't. You know, if you get to know a sportsbook writer, you'll tell by the look on their face what they think of your bet before they even ring up your ticket. So, exactly. So pay attention and be kind to your sports book writers and your yes. sports book directors because they're really there for you. Because you don't get a whole lot of money to write tickets, do you? Exactly. And you know, when we were talking about pet peeves or likes and dislikes in regard to the industry, Phil, um, I really, I really have to laugh sarcastically when when you have someone that says, "Oh, those guys at the sports book, they don't want me to win. Those guys, those ticket writers, they don't want me to win." If you're listening, trust me when I tell you this, the sportsbook writers want you to win your bet because they love paying out money and they hope that by paying out the money, you're in a good mood and you'll do this thing, which is called a tip. We <laughs> like when you win because then you will tip us. That's, that's right. how it's ideally. That's how it's supposed to work. Yes. That's how Vegas used to work anyway. I yes. think it still does, but you had to tip everyone. Otherwise you weren't getting anything. And, yes. you know, because they don't get paid a whole lot of money yeah. and they expect their people to be tipped. Absolutely. That's a big part of their salary. In fact, it's the majority of their salary. In some cases, that's all their salary. You know, some yep. of those waitresses don't get paid at all and they rather go on commission off their tips and keep their tips. Yeah. And that's fine, too. But you have to remember that, that these people are busting their tail for you. And during COVID, it's worse because there's less people working because, you know, people get COVID in, in the hospitality industry. It's not five days. It's 10 days. Right. You, you can't work for 10 days. So what you have to realize is that there's probably work in a skeleton crew. That girl's not going to be around 100 times. But if you tip her and you do it the right way, she'll be over there as often as you need her to be. Absolutely. Or whoever. But uh, this is great. Now, Brian Flores, those allegations. Now, this is the most outspoken I've seen you in about a year. I think. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. did you think about those allegations? Because we talked a lot about that on the show yesterday. What yes. did you think about those things? Well, it's um, the allegations in regards to betting and football. It's just not good. If there's any hint on getting... Uh, on incenting on offering a coach money to lose games, 
that is a bad situation for the NFL. And as you know, the sports books don't want to hear about any connotation of something not being on the level. So that allegation, it's just not good, Phil. Not good at all. No, I, I talked about this the other day. You know, I'm a professional tennis coach, and I've worked with guys who people bet on. And all I can tell you is, like three weeks ago, I guess it was, somebody wrote to me and wanted to know if I would be interested in investing on max match fixing. I reported that immediately because mm-hmm. I could get in trouble, yes. like big trouble. Yes. You know, I don't think they realize how much trouble even me reading that message could get me. So I reported it to the International Tennis Federation immediately. And I guess my biggest question is why didn't Brian Flores? Because here's the story. If you're an NFL football player or any professional athlete and someone comes to you incentivizing financially with you losing, then you have to report that immediately to somebody. And I'm curious as to why he didn't and why he waited till after he was fired to bring that little tidbit up because that smells to me. Something it sure does. isn't right. And the integrity of the game, and you said it uh, the best way I've ever heard, the casino, the sports book wants you to win. At Correct. least the writers do. So do the directors, by the way. And do you know why? Because for every one winner, they know they have nine losers or more. Sure. And they want somebody to walk out of there happy. And, and they really... Don't want us to take your money. They know you're going to lose anyway, eventually, most of you anyway. So at the end of the day, I don't understand why that happened, why that didn't happen, I should say. And the other thing about our industry that's so amazing is that 95% of all match fixers are caught actually not by the sport, but by the casino in question who are taking these crazy bets on something that, they never had. Like, I know one situation in Chile where five Chilean tennis players have been banned for six years for fixing matches. And how they got caught, it wasn't the tennis people who caught them. It was the sports book because they couldn't figure out why all this money was coming on this one kid who'd never played a professional match against someone who was heavily favored and a veteran. So it happens. And we don't ever want to see that because... I mean, think about it this way. Why would you bet on a match that is that you have a even suspicion that could be fixed? Absolutely. Unless you're the one who fixed it, of course. You, you know, Phil, people, the, the casinos want as much of a handle as possible. And there is still a certain percentage of people that will not place – they're sports fans, but they will not place a wager because they're like, oh, it's fixed, it's fixed, it's fixed. Well, when Brian Flores makes an allegation like that, that hurts the handle. The casinos, they don't want anyone on, on the sidelines in regards to gambling. They want to welcome all bettors. Come on in. Everything's on the level. So when Brian Flores makes an allegation like that, it is bad for the NFL, and it's just as bad for the sports books and the casinos. Um, I really think that uh, the irony in all this is the NFL – avoided partnering with the casinos for years because they, they they would say that the casinos and the you know and the stuff that they're involved in uh, is a little scary well isn't it kind of ironic that if anyone has to clean up their act it's the NFL yeah huh that's exactly right that's exactly you're the one I first saw say it that way 
on Twitter, and I was like, my boy's kicking some tail. It lo- looks like something got under his wing today. Yes. That, that is just bad for business. And what I'm going to do next year is chart all the betting, the, all the, the handle on Miami Dolphins games, as opposed to this year, and see what we get. I'll bet you people won't bet on the Dolphins right away. Right. You know, it's just um, it's just not a good look. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. It sure will. Now, this year was probably, at least publicly, the picks that you made. You were involved in a contest. We won't get into all that. But you were down a little bit this year. Mm-hmm. And that's unusual for you. Um, what did you learn from this NFL season that you can take into next season? Well, um, you, I'm going to pay attention to injuries a lot more next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to pay attention to which referee crews are working certain games. There are big time tendencies that, that referee crews have in regards to calling penalties. And that can definitely affect the total and that can definitely affect the home team. So just a couple of notes. I found it rather ironic that if anyone watched the ESPN 30 for 30 tuck rule that was, I think, uh, broadcast on on either Sunday or Monday night, Mm -hmm. the referee involved in that famous tuck rule game, notice what I'm saying here, Phil, that individual referee never worked another Raider game ever after that tuck rule. But he worked many New England Patriot games. (laughs) (laughs) So I find it ironic that the NFL obviously saw there might be a little conflict of interest. But notice it didn't go both ways. Now, you would think if they were concerned about him refing a Raider game, that they certainly wouldn't have have him work any more Patriot games. So, you know, like little things like that, you have to incorporate that into your handicapping. Well, you do. That's absolutely right. And we're not saying that the referee uh, is partial toward anyone. Yeah. We can't really prove that. But it is kind of funny. And you see that. And you can find referee stats in a lot of different places now for free. Mm-hmm. And you can find out, like, for example, some referees didn't call one. The, the, in fact, the uh, referee in the Bengals game Sunday, the championship game, he did not have one, or I'm sorry, that was the Buccaneers game. Excuse me, I'm sorry, Ambrose. It was the Buccaneers game where that referee did not call one roughing the passer penalty the entire season. Right, right. And that's a big thing because Brady's not mobile. So, you know, and, and you know that they can go after him a little bit. You know, the players all study those things. So should you. Those are great points, by the way. Now, yeah. inju- when you look at injuries, what's... Where do you look for these injuries at? What sites do you use? Um, well, I will go ahead and um, I go to Twitter. There's a, there's a, a, a certain guy that I like to – I'll listen to his podcast on Sunday. I don't mind mentioning his name. Uh, Rob Pozzola is pretty good at updating people with injuries. He's the guy who owns BetStamp. Yes, he's, he's very good. So mm-hmm. um, he's pre- uh, So I'll go through, and, and uh, his podcast is a must-listen. Uh, very good keeping up with the injury news. Me personally, if I find out um, a center, the center is out or injured or the team's primary receiving target is out, that is an automatic fade for me. I will definitely look 
to be going against that team. Uh, the, to me, the center position is the most integral part mm-hmm. of, of of a team's offense. That's that's great advice right there. Um, you know what I learned is to take a play out of your playbook and maybe give out less picks next year. Yes. Um, yes. You know, I, I thought I I thought I was pretty good about the number of picks I did, but I kind of felt overextended toward the end of the season. And if you remember, I was on quite a damn run after the week, yes. week two. But it, it kind of dissipated a little bit. And th- this is the second thing I learned. Before this NFL season, I don't care what sport it is, I don't mess around with the playoffs unless it's only NBA basketball and college basketball. But like baseball, I, I did one thing when Garrett Cole was pitching and I went against him because I had been doing that all year. But the one thing that I'm definitely absolutely – going to do is stay away from the NFL playoffs next year. Just leave it as is the playoff season, you know, took a little chunk. The lines are so sharp and most sports, professional sports betters don't touch the playoffs. Right. So that's what I learned. That is my biggest thing right there. So Phil, in regards to the contest you mentioned, so, and, and the fact that avoiding the NFL playoffs. So there I was, I was, uh, started out good, had had a bad stretch, but I, I did want to point out at the end of the regular season, I, I finished positive CLV at the end of the regular season. So I was happy about that. My clients were happy. We were on the positive side. But then, of course, as you mentioned, the NFL playoffs, um, especially the second week of the NFL playoffs, had a bad week. So that's sort of what set me back. So, But for the full year, I was happy that I finished up on the positive side. And in the circuit contest, as you know, I, I went 61%. And the circuit contest, that's a, as you know, that's a great uh, percentage for picking yes. winners. However, 61% when I saw Mr. Palm at the circuit when I was in Vegas, we were laughing about that. I asked him, I said, if the circuit could at least give me a free haircut or a free bowl of soup because 61% got me zero. And they <laughs> laughed, huh? But they were probably they shook your hand and said, congratulations, great year. Thanks for not betting here. <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> take your okay. action somewhere else. You're, you're going to get limited. <laughs> exactly. I'll take sixty-one percent against the spread uh, any day of the week. You and know, twice that. on Sunday, of course. Exactly. That's an, that. See, those are the things that you don't see on Twitter. All you saw is the one thing. Right. But Ambrose is strong, and everyone in that contest knew that too. Especially how you started out, because that was pretty hot. Yes. But and Mike, was, go ahead. And Mike, Mike said, if we gave an award. For the best entry name of the circuit contest, I would probably win because my entry name is Gambler's Lives Matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not to say that no one else has done or don't. But <laughs> right. <laughs> Super Bowl props. First yes. of all, you're not. Are you interested at all in the Super Bowl this year? I oh, of course, I I am. Um, I definitely, you know, it's a Super Bowl. I'm one of the guys that were. They, the Super Bowl game is usually priced right. It's hard. I mean, I don't recommend going full throttle for anyone who's who's betting for the first time. The Super Bowl is the biggest game in the world. It's usually priced right. However, I do have an opinion on this game. Okay. I I do like the Rams. Yep. Okay. Um, the 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 game that sticks out at me in regards to the Bengals and where they're strong versus the Rams strength is that game against the Tennessee Titans. Right. I mean, to get set to get sacked nine times and still win, obviously, uh, Tannehill for Tennessee, he had a terrible game. Mm-hmm. 
Um, those nine sacks are glaring. I think the, the, the Rams um, defensive line is a strength. Um, so I do like the Rams in the Super Bowl. In regards to prop, I did play the over five and a half sacks as a prop. Over five and a half sacks? Yes. Terrific. I have not really looked that closely. However, there is one that I like, and this is this one. Joe Burrow under one and a half touchdown passes. Yeah. That's at plus 120 at play up, um, and I'm sure you can get that similar pricing somewhere else. Every, every sports book is different. They're not universal. But uh, I like that one because I have this funny suspicion and I think Burroughs is fantastic. I love his attitude. I love the fact that he he doesn't seem to panic. Sort of like uh, the team they just beat, the Kansas City Chiefs, who don't do that right. either. But something tells me he's going to have a hard time with Donald. And his, him sacking you is going to be different than, say, someone else. And I don't think he's going to have enough time to find these guys for more than one touchdown. At least one passing touchdown. Now, that's not to say he doesn't sneak one in or Joe Mixon doesn't have a big day. Those are entirely possible. Right. But I don't think he's going to throw two, more than two touchdown passes, and I'll bet against that at 120. Right. I did do a sentimental uh, prop because uh, back in the day when I used to referee some high school and youth football, um, I did referee when he was a young kid, that Tyler Boyd. And, uh, Phil, let me just tell you, I remember when he was in eighth grade, I was doing an eighth grade football game. He was so fast. I've never seen that much speed on a football field. And I said, wow, that, that player has the it factor. Obviously I was right. Cause he had a nice career pit and then had a, had a, he's had a pretty good career in the NFL. So I did a, just for sentimental reasons, since I refereed Tyler Boyd back in the day, I, I, I did a small wager on him to uh, score a touchdown in, in the Super Bowl. Well, there you go. Do you have anything else or is that it? I do have one interesting thought. So, you know, obviously the Super Bowl has all the props um, up and down. You can just, you know, there's there's many different uh, betting options. So let me ask you this one. Mm -hmm. Does anyone know if the person singing the Star Spangled Banner, is that person going to be wearing a mask? And the reason why I'm asking that is how does that factor into the over or under on the Star Spangled Banner if the person's wearing a mask? I'd like to know. That is interesting. Yes, because there, I remember talking this over with my buddy Andrew. I could make the argument where if the person's wearing a mask, maybe the Star Spangled Banner would be longer if that person's not used to wearing the mask. And, of course, my buddy said maybe wearing the mask would force the person to want to get through the song even quicker so they can get that mask off. <laughs> so there's – but I was just curious if, you know, um, that's how sort of how I think – because uh, in regards to betting angles, just you know, it's all about trying to find an angle, and that popped into my head. And in regards to uh, someone singing a song under circumstances that they're not necessarily used to. Well, that could happen. You know, you, it's yeah. hard to catch your breath, especially outside with those things. I, they yes. force us to use them sometimes for tennis here. Yes. And it's not easy. I'm not used to that. I'm an old guy anyway, so... You know, breathing is important to me. Yes. <laughs> you know, I'm not an underwater swimmer or diver, but yeah, that is interesting. We'll have to look for that. I'd be so, curious. Yes, I'd be curious as well. Who would have? So, who would have it? I mean, uh, it's not here at play up. Maybe I could get him to do it. 
Yeah, a lot of the uh, I'm sure a lot of the sites out there, if people look, would be able to find uh, the over and under on the Star Spangled Banner, especially some of the offshore places. But I was just curious. Okay, so, so if you find that and you're listening to this show, the first person who finds that wager for us, I will send you a copy of Betting Football 101 and Betting Baseball 101. How does that sound for you out there? Find us the the prop on the mask for the singer of the Star Spangled Banner. If it exists, you get a couple of books. Hey, man, great stuff. Thanks for coming over. It's finally it's finally good to have you on this show, man. This was Phil, easy. This was easy money for me, brother. It, Phil, uh, this was a, a real pleasure for me. Um, I listen to all the podcasts you have. I appreciate uh, that. And uh, there, it's 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 a great listen. A shout out once again to my buddy John Murgis, who's on your show a lot. As you know, you can't have a better guest on there than him. So shout out to John if you're listening. And uh, Phil, enjoy the Super Bowl. And remember, all you gamblers out there, don't drink and gamble. There you go. Pet peeve number one right there. There you go, buddy. <laughs> hey, tell everyone where they can find you on Twitter and at BetStamp because you're tracking your picks there now. Yes. So I'm under Ambrose. At FUDWVU on Twitter. So follow me. I'll follow you back. There you go. You'll find his handle in my show notes. And that's going to wrap it up for today's show. I want to thank PlayUp.com for sponsoring the Phil Nation Show and presenting it for us so we can bring it to you. That's PlayUp.com. PlayUp, always your best bet. All picks made on the Phil Nation Show are tracked at betstamp.app. You can find me over and follow me at philnasonshow.com. And don't forget the Wolfline Sports Trading Newsletter. It's a -a one-of-a-kind thing. We just got it started. Head on over to Cash with Flash and check it out. Until next time, you all take care of yourselves. Be good. And most importantly... Ladies and gentlemen, my mother thanks you, my father thanks you, my sister thanks you, and I thank you. Thanks for listening to The Phil Nason Show. Download us at your favorite podcast catcher, including iTunes, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, or Google Play. And please leave a review. You can follow Phil on social media at Cash with Flash and like our Facebook show page.